HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Welcome to this, uh, to this talk. Um, so the background to this, this chat with Steffi and Eddie from, from, from Guttegar is really about um, the journey that growers undertake, you know, to, to make natural wine, to farm properly. Um, you know, we, we sort of, I think when you go there and, and you taste so many wines, we kind of think it kind of happens like this. But, you know, it's a real process and it really takes time to make really extraordinary wines the way that Steffi and Eddie. So I thought it'd be interesting to perhaps, you know, maybe ha hear about this journey, the challenges, the opportunities, how things change, what's next, um, through tasting basically three wines. So I've, uh, you know, we've become really good friends and I've been to Steffi and Eddie's place many times. I visited in 2012. We we're trying to remember when was the first time that we, we m met properly because we'd met before. Um, and I think our journey at here at the fair is actually really related to, to um, the Guttergau's journey in terms of, um, you know, the progress. I mean, you're now amazingly popular. Um, you know, we can see when you... Um, so I think I think it's it's really nice and interlinked, and it's a real for me it's a story of, of a friendship um, and and real journey. So maybe you can give us a little bit of background on on you know as to where you are and and the types of wine what you do. First of all, also thank you Isabel and also Deborah um, for having us, doing all this crazy work like what we do with raw wine fair and now. It's amazing because when we started 11 years ago, there was no wine fair to go. There was no place to show our wines. And I think, you know, like these are the two amazing women with the flag on the top to, yeah, to give us a chance to show our, our wines, but for all the growers here. And it's amazing. Thank you so much. Without you, we wouldn't be there where we are today. Eleven years. Uh, it's not a long time, like on a viticultural circle. So also we we quite feel at the start, but uh, after all, I mean, it's lots going on, and we gained huge experience. We we had lots of interesting things we could talk you through for all, during all these years. Um, but starting in 2007, which was our first vintage, so my wife and I we had the chance to take over a more or less abandoned estate, vineyards which have been planted mainly in the 60s, 70s, very poorly treated, uh, the vintages before we took over. Um, it was uh, owned by an old lady, she didn't have any children, so understandingly she kind of lost ambition to continue on a high quality path. 
So again, uh, more than 15 years before we took over, she would not produce any wine anymore, ju just so sell the grapes, not doing any effort in the vineyards, which was good for us because there was hardly any fertilizing, there was hardly any chemical spraying. So the vineyards reacted very well on the conversion to biodynamics, which we started from the first moment on. So 2007 was our first vintage pruning included. So it was uh, all the, the vegetation circle we did and it was our first year of conversion into biodynamics. Um, quite interesting to say because nowadays it's so obvious everybody's talking of, of natural wine and we're about to kind of have an idea of what it really means or at least there's a hint of things, criteria, which is also defined to a certain extent by the raw criteria, what is natural wine, what is not. But only 11 years ago when we started, the term wasn't even born. So there wasn't a term for the wine which we did at that time. And the reason why we did it was actually quite simple and kind of um, understandingly for us logical because we took over this, those vineyards. We didn't have any reference point of the quality potential of the vineyards. We knew that it's been a high qualities coming out from the vin vineyards till the early 80s. But afterwards, as I said, most of the vintages, they only sold the grapes. So there wasn't any reference point for the wines. And for us, it was important in the first vintage just to judge on the, the, the potential of the vineyards by not interfering in the vinification process. So that was the original idea why we started to go for that, just to have an idea where we would stand, what the potential would be, and where would we could probably head to in the long run. And the work on biodynamics in the vineyards for us was also kind of obvious at that time because we wanted to preserve the old vineyards, the old vines, we wanted to revive the soil. And at that time for us, the only logical consequence was to go for biodynamics. Besides from the quality reason, which was also for us always astonishing to have wines tasted from farmers who have been worked biodynamically for a long time, like Nicola Chili, Stefano Pelotti. Those wines have been very lively and vibrant for us. And of course, it's been kind of a reference point at that time. But there wasn't any or many more to, for us to have a reference on. I mean, of course, it's been a few like Austrian producers as well are going on biodynamics. Um, Nikolai Hofstep Muster, just to mention a few who did it before us. But in the end, only 11 years ago, it wasn't a lot going for that approach. And that was kind of, we were kind of innocent on this. You have to uh, understand, like I was 25 and um, when we met, um, you were 29 and we said, okay, we want to do something together. We want to create something. And when we came up with uh, the approach to say, okay, we work on uh, biodynamics, in our region, everybody was thinking we are completely crazy. And then we came up with the, the idea to say, okay, we are working biodynamics um, in the vineyards, but we are also let go in the cellar without uh, treating the wines, without filtering it, without fining, without uh, putting sul a sulfate to it. People thought, you know, like, we also with the labels, with the characters on the labels, okay, I mean, this goes maybe for two years, but in two years' time, you will not see the wines anymore. And they had a little bit, um, it was right what they said, <laughs> because the first years was a big, big struggle for us. Also working-wise, um, uh, family-wise, because we have three children. And I think the biodynamics farming is not only a progress what the soil is doing or the vineyards are doing. It's also a progress in your personality and uh, also in your life. Like you rethink a lot, you change a lot. You, yeah, it's, it's a, a big progress to get a better person and also a better soil. And this is also very linked for us. 
So in order to illustrate the, the story, we're going to taste three wines uh, from uh, one of the characters uh, in, in the family, Theodora. Uh, and we'll kick off with the 2007. So we're starting with actually the first wine that you made. So perhaps you can tell us a bit about, you know, how, A, what is Theodora? Um, and how, I mean, and you'll see, for me, I think it's, a, it's an amazing opportunity to taste three vintages of the same wine. Um, because I think that the evolution is really amazing. Um, perhaps you could give us some background in terms of how the wine back then was made and what was your experience of making the first vintage? I mean, one uh, fun thing is that, um, for, uh, first of all, 2007 was our first vintage. And um, it was really hard to sell. And we had like some friends with a uh, restaurant business in uh, Austria. But they rather bought the wines because of feeling uh, sad for us because we couldn't sell it than uh, <laughs> having them on the list because they were great. And uh, this is also 2007 um, uh, Theodora, which we had to buy back <laughs> because they didn't sell it. <laughs> That's why it was, yes. <laughs> yeah, we've, we just found out because there's a sticker on the back from a Vinotech. We brought the wine too, but obviously we had to take back. Those are memories which we personally erased. It's much better to, to memorize the positive things, but in the end it's fun as well. Eh? But um, just to give you the idea, I'm not sure if most of you are familiar with our approach, but we are based in the eastern part of Austria, region is called Burgenland, very close to Hungarian border. And this in former times during the Austro-Hungarian Empire used to be the Hungarian influence. So the law of her heritage in that area said that each child would get the same piece of land, not like in the Austrian side that the oldest one would get all the land. Turns out, through this law of heritage, the pieces of land are very small and very widespread. So it's a little like in Burgundy. We, we started with 11 hectares. Nine of them have belonged to the estate. Two we already rented at that time. But it was at that time already around 30 different pieces of land we were working on. Widespread, different topography, different um, soil type, terroir. And when we started already during the first vintage working in the vineyards, for us it was quite obvious we would not go for a single um, vineyard approach because we wouldn't want to have 30 wines. We would not go for a single grape varietal approach because what was really interesting for us was also at that time was the soil types. So we decided from the start to blend all those vineyards which had the same character, the same identity, the same personality. And this we continue up to now, even though we've enlarged the surface a little by adding vineyards which already have been planted as well and partly abandoned, partly um, very grown-up vines. But in the end, all our wines are field blends of different vineyards which for us have the same identity and character. And this brings us to the wine we're going to go through. It's interesting for us because actually some would say it is kind of the, um, the entry-level wine, which is not true. It's the young generation, so this is white vineyards, which from the start for us have always, always brought rather youthful, energetic, light wines because of topography, mainly it's vineyards on the flatland, so not that direct sun exposure, but also in the end a very nice, lively soil and minerality uh, due to gravel soil. So it's quite poor soil as well, no loam, no concentrated soil. Um, and that's what, what Theodora is representing. And for us also it's nice to see because we hardly taste any um, older vintages on a regular basis. It's, it's nice to see that the wines of course have uh, from the start the potential to age because we were always longing for picking at the time where the grapes are ripe, not making any compromise for that, not longing for 
the style of wine by, by choosing on the time of picking, but just longing for a balance and a harmony in the grapes and then picking. And in the end, that ma makes stable wines, makes long living wines. So how was this made then uh, compared with like how, um, in terms of sulfites, in terms of, did you use any here? Yeah, so um, again, the, the term, sorry, uh, it's okay. No, so no, no. The, the term, term natural wine wasn't born at that time and it wasn't our, our idea just to, to go into like a dogmatic non-interventional non approach as mentioned, but we wanted to feel how the vineyards would react. So for us it was clear during all the evolution in the, in the cellar, in the barrels, we would not touch the wines in terms of sulfites added or whatever. But the first vintages we added a little bit before the, um, the bottling because we thought it would be better to kind of, the after the wines are getting shaken through, like during uh, bottling and transport, would be good to stabilize them a bit. But we only bottled them, that was actually from the start at the time where the, the, the development, the evolution in the barrels was, was done in terms of fermentation, in terms of malolactic, everything which the wine wanted to go through on, an, on a spontaneous, on a free level would go through. And, and in that case, we... I don't know if you remember, I don't remember anymore. We, we added a little bit of sulfites before the bottling in the, sev in the 07. But you also have to know that it was the first vintage and of course we had like a huge bank loan uh, running next to it because we bought this estate. And it was also like that we didn't have the balls not to use sulfite because we didn't know where the wine goes through when we will ship it somewhere. And this is also something, this... Um, insecureness we had and this of course this go, uh, comes with years and you get more secure you know exactly how the wine reacts but I think it's also nice I mean uh, vinification wise we never changed anything since the beginning only the sulfite which we we add at the beginning and um, now we uh, also bottle without sulfite but it's nice because people all the time ask, what is, your, what is the difference in vinification-wise? And I think it's so beautiful because you see the development of the vineyards from the biodynamic approach, how they, they, yeah, they react and give so much um, life into the wine. And this is for us beautiful to see also. And I, I guess for me that's the greatest testament of, of the work in the vineyard. Um, because from tasting all your vintages really and spending actually quite a lot of time tasting with you and all vintages throughout now is um, and that's why I thought actually it'd be really interesting to taste this particular cuvee Theodora because Theodora is supposed to be the more these are the youngest more ebullient adolescent in, in a way from from the series and and I think in a way Theodora really grew up you know at the beginning I think there is this kind of like adolescence youth and then as you'll see through the progression Theodora is becoming a mature woman and actually quite serious and and that's all to do with the farming and what's happening in the vineyard um, So I think it's she's a perfect example to yeah. illustrate your 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 work Yeah, but again like flashback for us to a certain extent because what you like memorize as a grower from vintages of course is certain uh, like the, the vegetation how it was and then you have of course memories of harvest and everything but in the end also because for us it's not just the produce it's part of our life you know every wine we release is very close to our heart we're very much uploaded with our emotions then of course you also memorize the the feedback you get on the wine and how the wines were appreciated and as Jeff already mentioned in 2007 it was really tough for us even though now tasting the wine seems so well behaved and actually not a provoking wine or whatever but again, only 11 years back, 
in Austria, where of course people are maybe a little more biased in terms of what a especially white wine should taste like, you know, they're longing for fruit, for certain freshness. Actually, the typical Austrian wine, which is still the profile for Austrian wine, is, is more like uh, a wine de defined by vinification, more, much more than, than origin of the grapes or terroir. But that was at that time so far off the track that the people were really insulting us for the wine. And now having the wine like this, I would say it's a really, I mean, again, a well-behaved wine. I mean, there's nothing to complain about. If you want to see it critical, Theodora tasting 07 now, we would love her to be more rebellious than she's now in the glass because this is really, I mean, a nice but decent and, and uh, well-behaved wine. Do you have any <coughs> comments or questions? Because this is, you know, it's not, you know, it's, it's a nice small group. So I think the opportunity is also to, you can ask anything, doesn't have to be relating to this one in particular. So if you shout out the question, I'll repeat it for the purpose of the radio and, and the recording. So the question is, as, as Theodore is, is growing up, do you see more offsprings to the family and adding sort of, you know, a younger generation? I mean, it's family, the people coming and going. <laughs> you never know. <laughs> but immediately you, haven't, you don't have any thoughts of like bringing in more, more members of the family? Let's see. <laughs> okay. So that's a yes. Yes. <laughs> No, but there's uh, always been from the start, this has been our approach because we started with quite a, let's say, big range of nine wine family members. By now it's ten, but it wasn't for the sake of like covering any demand or whatever, but just representing the different terroirs we have and the different like personalities of the vineyards. And that's why we, we were ending up with this quite lively big uh, wine family. And also it's because we have both white and reds, about half-half. So for us, it was from the start to to try to get a very like tiny range, but on the same hand, not not forgetting special terroirs or, or whatever, and that's why we ended up like this. And and, and having said that, sorry, um, of course, if if we have one day a vineyard uh, added to our portfolio, because it's always tempting, you know, there's lots of small growers usually who who, who like sold the wines to cooperatives. They would stop working the vineyards two possibilities, either they get rid of the vines or we would take them over and try to get them back in shape and continue to work with old vines. It's always tempting. So if there appears a vineyard which is so particular in personality, of course we are open-minded to let some like further relatives in or whatever. Yeah. Any further question? We'll go on. So the question is, where did you learn about biodynamics? When learning by doing. I studied photography and I come from the hospitality management. And um, yeah, like uh, Ida already said, in our region there was uh, almost no producer who worked like this. And uh, for us it was like really reading books. And um, yeah, and of course also now it's still like each year it's uh, completely different. Um, um, weather conditions, completely different, um, um, yeah, influences, and each year you are starting from from new, and yeah, but this is also the the beauty of it. And maybe that's a good time to actually talk about 
climate change, you know, how it's impacted you? Do you feel, you know, there is a, a pattern coming along or like every year is completely different? Yeah, so of course we are, we feel blessed. We are in a region where you feel the differences in the, in the vintages. So we started in 2007 and so far we would say there hasn't been a vintage one-to-one -one compared with the other, com to be compared with the other. But it's very, very obvious that especially the recent years, there's a dramatic change in terms of climate extremes. We have like long periods of very hot and dry climate, but then followed by very, very wet and cold periods. So in the end, if you go for an average temperature, you, you won't find the difference after like a year, but the, the, there's no like, there's no spring anymore. There's hardly any, hardly any autumn anymore. So we're at back home now, no, it's like beginning of November, we have 20 degrees, which is, which is a usually, I mean, it used to be between zero and 10 degrees. So everything is, is changing on a very, very dramatic pace. And this, this shows also in nature more than I think the, as humans, we are struggling with this. It's in the media and the news, you know, there's floodings there and, other catastrophes there, but the plants, the, the animals, they are suffering as well and they, they are challenged as well. And we think we have a perfect tool with biodynamics to kind of support the plants and to kind of give them a certain relief. And going back to where we started, um, so my wife, she's from restaurant business and photography. I have a little bit of a wine growing background because my parents used to grow wine in southern Styria but on a conventional approach. And it was certainly thanks to Steffi, she kind of was more like open-minded and kind of more like the one who, who was thinking not into boxes, that we were going on this adventure. And we are still learning a lot about the biodynamics and we still have to improve a lot. Um, if you read Steiner's book and you think you understand it, then you haven't read it uh, intensely, you know? So it's always, We've read it for many, many times, the, the, the agricultural courses, but it always, you always find out a new, new aspect which at the moment probably moves you, which can help you on. So it's always something, something new you, you can learn and experience. Yeah, but I think also like uh, because of climate change, uh, biodynamics, I think it's the only way to how to farm nowadays. And of course, we also try to convince as much as uh, uh, wine growers, but also normal farmers like grain um, uh, farmers to convince them to work like this because it's, yeah, it's the only chance to, to get a really healthy, healthy um, grape or um, a product out of it. And as also Eda said before, like with farming at the end, Biodynamic doesn't mean it's only wild and you leave, you let go. It's rather to really go with the with your with your soil and to rethink and you you read between the lines. What do they need? How can I uh, help them to grow in a better way? And it's I think nowadays more and more you have to focus on this and not only to say okay, um, I don't need to do anything anymore. Okay, let's uh, talk about the 2013 in the glass. So we're jumping from 2007 to 2013. So what does your life look like in 2013? How, what's been the evolution in, 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 in those years? So in this vintage, we didn't have to take any bottles back. That was the, <laughs> the good news. <laughs> <laughs> so we actually, when we still were kind of depending on, on when we started to, to kind of place the wines abroad rather than in Austria because the wines have been much more appreciated. Also in the UK where we actually met, 
was one of our first export markets in Denmark, and those were the, the countries which were from the start quite open-minded, and the people would be would be open-minded for for that style of wine as well as for for any wine which would give a certain character or authenticity. So people were searching for that. So at that time, I would say we've been to a certain extent established already on the market, which is of course a big relief to know you that you produce, and that's of course. For you, it's probably obvious, but worth mentioning anyways, the, the work we do in the vineyards during vegetation is a work which only pays off like probably two years later, one and a half years later, depending on when we release the wine. So, of course, we, we always have to invest into something which the result is only seen much later. So it's good to know that like you have um, a harvest in, you have a certain quantity in, and you, you know that the wines are appreciated and that you're going to sell them without an, a huge effort. Then you can more easily invest work and effort into the vineyards and that's also what of course our goal always was that we would of course start also in terms of farming in a more classic way let's say okay work with the machines and then use the biodynamic treatments but now and also that was part of the journey we were trying to keep the machines out of the vineyards as much as possible so we would not put pressure on the soil we would start to integrate more and more people in our team to support us on the one hand, but also to give, bring in spirit and energy. Everything we try to do is handcrafted. And that's very important, not only for the quality of the wine, that in the end turned out for us to be a side effect, but it's very important for the quality of the soil. And that's again, what we're longing for. So here, we think it is quite obvious already. It's a couple of years later. There hasn't been much change in the work, uh, the way we, we treat the plants, but there's been a change in the work. We were kind of putting pressure on the soil. There's been more like cuddling of the grapes, more handwork, and this certainly tells bec because the wine is already much more liberated and more. Um, so my wife is a, is a is a very good example for for s for a person who, who would always t say the <laughs> the opinion and also. Um, not not trying off to to also provoke something with what she's saying because she believes in it, and I think this is also reference for this wine compared to the first one. This is already one a wine who would stand up and would say, "Okay, I'm here. I'm standing for this or that, and I'm going to go for it, whether you like it or not." Whereas the first wine probably, again, hard to understand because it wasn't when we started. But tasting the wine now is more or less wanting to be pleasing and a little shying, shying off, you know what I mean? And here is really like self-confident personality and that's a huge difference in the uh, emotion. And, and for me, so when I taste the, the you know, the, the 13, I get a lot more concentration, a lot more texture, a lot, a lot more liveness. Um, but, you know, in a way, when you took over the vineyards, they were already pretty much, like you said, abandoned and, and they were not treated. So what is it that happened in the in those sort of six seven years that has the wine because you're already working it's not like you took over some conventional vineyards that for me delivered something which is interesting but you know is not as full of complexity and texture so what do you think is the main sort of contribution to 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 that big jump in quality i think this continuously working on the soil this is i think the main what you feel also in the in the wine, the, it has length, it has, yeah, complexity, structure. I think this you get out not only from because in uh, in Austria we are very much grape driven, like Gunnar Vetlina, Welsh Riesling, it has to taste like this or this, 
And I think this is the best example because uh, when you work biodynamic, you, you try to, to give the uh, vineyards the feeling or the, 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 the wines to say, okay, like a human being, like, um, okay, you have to um, work hard on yourself a little bit to get deeper roots, to get more from the minerality of the soil. It's like a immune system of a, a, a person, you know, like when you have children, you give them, uh, um, they are sick and you give them medicine, the immune system will say, okay, now I'm fine, but the next time when I'm sick, I'm, I'm fine, I don't need to push myself because my mother is giving everything what I need. And it's the same with wines. It's, you have to go with them and to show them how to get strengthened to, yeah, not needing you the whole time to, yeah, and also, I mean, we're talking more of natural wine, but in the end we should talk actually about lively wine and that's or living wine, and that's the, the point for all the things we are considering because after all this, I mean, again, the vineyards have not been badly or, or heavily treated, but still we took over more or less a, a dead soil because they didn't have any, they didn't like kill the dead soil they had before, but the, the recent vintages, they didn't invest anything to revive the soil. And that's what we did, and it means that uh, to revive a soil, you have to bring life back into the soil. And this you can do by creating humus, of course, because humus is, I mean, is actually the most important thing to, to create, because you have, a, a on the top, you have um, like a perfect, uh, they say biotope for microbiological activity for for all the bacteria who would digest the organic matter and reproduce like compost humus whatever on a small scale and this of course goes goes deeper and deeper and in the end it's such a f fragile balance in any natural living soil what what microbiological activity there, there is what in, in then causes a certain pH level whatever we're not talking of chemistry too much because also we're not into that but then you can get minerals which are in the soil but which can be released and can be taken by the roots and then you have the mycorrhiza if, if you're familiar with that. So there's so many things going on in, in, the, in, the, in the lively soil and, and the more life you have in the soil, the more lively the plants are, the more resistant they are, the more they can protect themselves and in the end of course also the, the, the wine will be more lively, will be more resistant. In 13, for example, we didn't have to add any sulfites anymore because there's so much inner strength in the wine and this I think you can feel, there's so much tension in the wine that they, the wine doesn't need to be protected from oxidation or, or whatever influence from outside. But that's an evolution and that's also very important to know that farming doesn't mean you can quickly rush to anything, you can't push the, the plants to anything, you need to have the time, the patience, the grit and the consistency and maybe because we, we didn't know about how to push this on or how to, to speed this up, uh, that's why we are, we are where we are, but it's good like this, we shouldn't, I mean modern humans always want to control everything, they want to be quick in everything, but that's not the way it goes. And again, we're not talking of, of a very long lifespan in, in terms of vineyards, in, term, in terms of plants, 11 years is nothing. So wait, what happens in the next 10 years or another 10 years, there will be a huge development. There's no, no, no need to be afraid of that this development will sometimes um, stop or anything. So there's always more and more life to create. And, and that's a, for us interesting future perspective as well. 
Yeah, great. I mean, that's a fantastic argument for, for quality, regardless of, of, you know, whether we talk about natural wine, uh, low intervention wine. Um, you know, if you want to create wines of great quality, you have to work your soil and you have to work organically, biodynamically or with permaculture. And I think that's a very interesting argument because in, in a way it's almost an argument we should be using to people and say, if you want to make great wines, you know, you have to farm and organically at the very minimum biodynamically and revive your soils. And I think this is, for me, this is, a, you know, without even mentioning the winemaking, I think this is a very clear illustration that's, that's, that's a very basic requirement. Any questions? Go on. So, uh, yeah, so I guess, do I need to repeat the question? Yeah. Okay, so the question, <laughs> the question is, um, you know, you, you do the whole process from, from farming to, to winemaking, um, but what do you think of people who actually buy in grapes uh, and only make the wines um, in terms of, I guess, do you think that they can achieve similar levels of quality or similar levels of, of aliveness um, in, in, in the bottle? We are not here to judge, to be honest. <laughs> but in, in our case, it's like, at the end, we don't see us as wine producers, we see us as farmers. And I think this is, this is it. At the end, I mean, the first goal when we started was like, okay, we want to create the best wine, we want to be like, you know, the best wine producers. We are so far away from this, and this is also what I tried to say first. It's also like a progress in your personality. At the end, we love to work on, on our um, fields. We, we see us as farmers, and this is the huge change we can put also back to climate change, the earth on which we are living on. And at the end, it's a side product what comes out of the whole year work, but it could be also carrots maybe, I don't know. But I think this is, yeah. For us, it's not a trend. It's also not a, uh, a kind of thing what we can sell and uh, we can make a living out of it. For us, it's our life. It's, yes, we can do a living out of it, but this, this doesn't drive us. The, what drives us is to make really a change and to, yeah, to give a lot more back what we take. Thank you. Uh, next question. Okay, so the question is, um, do you use other plants in, in, in the vineyards uh, in order to increase um, biodiversity or to use them as, you know, as to encourage sort of predators for other species to, to help combat disease, you know, I guess? 
Maybe you can give us some like specific examples. Yeah, so I would say unfortunately we have to bring in. Um, so once in a while we renew the cover crop on between the rows and we bring in seeds. The ideal world would be that there's enough like varietals of seeds around and they could spread. But that's not the case because in the end our, our region is not like a monocultural viticulture region, but still there's lots of vineyards um, of conventional farmers who usually open the, the soil, so there's no, no cover crop. There's many grain farmers, so it's more like monocultural as well. So it's not enough like wild seeds around that they could give us a nice biodiversity. And this is also, again, it's all about, we talk about life, but it's really important to have lots of, for our understanding, lots of different flowering um, plants, uh, uh, flowering at different times in the vineyards because that would in uh, attract insects and that would uh, again increase the biodiversity. So usually what we do because it's very small pieces of land in the end we work on and quite diverse. So we usually we bring in um, a mix of seeds of different uh, plants and then according to the different vineyards, one or the other might primarily grow but usually it's a mix of like leguminoses and clovers and stuff like this. I'm not too familiar with the terms in English, but it's a, it's a nice, so sometimes even some sun, sunflowers are popping up, whatever, but we're trying to get some, some flowers in the vineyards as well, that's important. Uh, so again, and this is what, what my wife has said, we have to be aware that um, natural wine growing doesn't mean you don't care and it doesn't mean you, you, you can deny that we are still in a monocultural system and we need to break this as good as we can. But in the end, um, then we have to find the balance and we need to encourage this, this natural harmony by sometimes bringing something in which is probably not there on a natural base, but this will in the end support the plants, the vineyards, everything. Perfect, any other questions? Go. So the, the, the question is, um, a lot of producers in, in California um, go through the steps of organic certification in the, in, the, in the vineyard, but stop beforehand and maybe don't go the full hog to Demeter certification. Um, so what do you think maybe is in, in, in the way or prevents them from, from going the full, the full gamut or the full length? Uh, what I think is uh, they, they, they let doors open to make compromises. And I think uh, in natural uh, or living wines or living farming, there is no compromise. You mean in terms of people don't doing the, not doing the certification process? But how about the difference between organic and Demeter or uh, organic and biodynamic farming, for example? So, again, it's hard to judge and to put this just into a few sentences, but nowadays, Organic farming is quite a wide field, so in the end it means you, you don't use any chemical sprayings and you don't do any, any synthetical um, fertilizers, but still organic farming can be very recipe-wise, you know, so you don't need to necessarily be close to the plants. That's happening a lot nowadays in viticulture. People feel the pressure of also from the market. The people are starting to question how do you farm and then some wineries 
convert into organics, but it's it can be a way of conventional farming with other means, which is in the end still good because the, the soil is treated differently, the plants are treated differently. So on a general term, this is a, a step forward. But it doesn't mean that, that the farmer needs to rethink a lot and doesn't mean that the farmer needs to go back to be, being close on the plants and on the soil, which is actually, for our understanding, necessary if you take biodynamics seriously. Because biodynamics doesn't only mean, again, recipe-wise, use use preparations at a certain time or use herbal extracts, whatever, but the best way of understanding biodynamics is not as a way of farming, but a way of understanding life as a way of trying to approach a circle, trying to approach a, a harmony in the vineyards, in, in the vinification, whatever. It's an ongoing process. Also, we are far from being where we are longing to be, but it's you always need to rethink a little, refeel a little, and then we'll, we'll bring you forward. And that's not necessarily the case for, for organics. So I think lots of farmers nowadays, they don't have the, the feeling, the, the emotion, the vision also to understand that the way of farming biodynamics originally means is that you have to let loose from, like, as you mentioned, rational things. Because we are w working with things or means or treatments we have no chance to understand at the moment, maybe one day, we have no chance to analyze why it's happening. I mean, imagine we use this horn silicate preparation, for example, four grams per hectare being stirred, like dynamized in 30 liters of water. So 30 liters of water on one hectare, four grams of a powder. How can you analyze what's happening? But, but you can see, you can feel, and in the end you can taste what's happening. And the best thing is also for us to realize the beauty of nature, we will never get it, because that's a thing Max Planck said, who's uh, maybe one of a very like natural scientists, but very analyze-driven. But at that time, he was at his peak. He said, "We will never understand the miracle of nature because we are part of it. So we could only understand if we were, we were outside of it. But we're inside of it, and then you just need to accept. And that's what we are doing. And we're we're again starting to to be surprised, like children, to uh, to see. Okay, we're doing something. We have no clue how it happens, but it's working and it's happening." And uh, to accept this is a huge step forward to free your mind in many ways. And if you, if you are on this, you can also free your plants, you can free your wines from any expectations or anything, and then they will show you things you would never have expected. And that's quite, for us, quite um, like the, the good thing on it. I, I guess for me, when, when I hear what you're saying, you know, I think also it's the ability to be a, a really amazing farmer and to be very close to your land is also about a state of mind and, and following your heart. And I'm sure we could also argue that people, some farmers who don't, maybe don't necessarily believe you know, in preparations or don't use preparations can probably also achieve a very high level of, of life in the, in, in, in the vineyard. I think for me, it's not necessarily personally about are you labeled organic or are you labeled biodynamic or are you labeled you know, permaculturist, but it's, it's about how, how you can observe and how you can work and how sensitive you are and how respectful you, you, you are. So in a way, putting things into boxes is very restrictive because I would argue you're way more than just biodynamic farmers. You know, you're people who are you're living and you're breathing your vineyard and your plants are a part of your family and you're treating them like that. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> okay, let's move on because, um, you know, so there's still a lot of more wines to, to be tasted outside. Uh, perhaps you can talk to us about what's in the glass now. 
No, you're so on, a, 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 um, a talking flow. I love it. Go on, go on. <laughs> so my wife is the brain, I'm the tongue today. <laughs> No, this is now 17, um, Theodora. It's, um, it was a, for us, like after 16, which was a really hard uh, vintage for us because uh, of heavy rain and frost. Um, we had, uh, we almost lost um, uh, almost 80% of our crop. And 17 was, um, yeah, a, a beautiful summer. We had uh, lots of rain, which we needed in the right time for, and the right um, uh, quantity and yeah, I mean, for me, Theodora 17 shows so well because she's, yeah, so loving, but also very, a little bit snobby, I think. You know, like if you have these young, cheeky ladies who are a little bit, yeah, with uh, the, um, yeah, snobby because she knows what's going on. She knows in which direction she wants to go. She's, yeah, she's a tough girl, but uh, still in her learning process. Yeah. Do you have something to add? <laughs> add. How would, you, how would you describe this wine compared with the previous wine that from 13, for example? And what can you taste that you think you've kind of achieved over the past, you know, four or five years, really, between these last two wines? Yep. We personally, we, we, from the start, we had always these references, our wines being personalities compared to human beings to, with certain attitudes, whatever. But... For me, tasting those three wines, and Steffi certainly will agree because we discussed it bef before, or at home we, t we tasted the, the wines as well. By the way, very good the way they have traveled here is also quite astonishing because it's been we, we took them with the plane, so they, they show quite well. But yeah, the, 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 the development on in the personality of the wine, uh, like as Theodora shows, is huge, and, and it means like like on reference on human beings. Um, in 17, she shows a lot, a lot of civil courage. So she would stand up and again tell her opinion and she would also be able to fight it through in case she, she thought it w things would not go right. So that would certainly be also, I mean, now we're talking of uh, maybe in general terms, but we are in, uh, in times where my wife always says those who have a voice and who have something to say, usually they are, they are too, too silent to speak up and to, to speak against the, the masses who are loud and not, not necessarily with the message behind. So Steffi always says we should, we should have more people to stand up for, for the, the good cause, whatever. I mean, we can discuss this, but for, for the right cause. And certainly Theodore is in 17, a wine personality is standing up for that. And, and from a vineyard work perspective, you, you know, I guess, I know it's maybe it's very literal, but when you taste this, like, what does it remind you of? Does it remind you of specific actions you took in the vineyard uh, two years before? Or what does it kind of, like, bring, bring, no, bring I think to you? I think it's all the small steps brings the, the huge difference. It's, yeah. Also, we sometimes try to understand, and then we realize... Everything is important, and on the same hand, nothing is important because it's so many steps. You couldn't probably just put the one on the focus. What is quite obvious, we had a very, very hot vintage in 17, and we think it's because also the, the consistent work on the plants, the treatments, the herbal treatments, the support we give them to kind of cope with the diff difficult situations in terms of climate change and whatever. The plants are now at the stage where they want to kind of 
give a counterpart to what's happening around. So we had the, the last vintages being very hot, very dry. You would expect very concentrated, thick wines, but on the contrary, the, 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 the plants have released the grapes at a rather early stage, being ripe. So there's hardly any alcohol, lots of structure, lots of freshness because of the minerality released, no flesh on the bones. And that's kind of the counterpart of what's happening around. And that shows us that the plants are also willing and able to, to fight against this and they would find their place and would not deny the region and, and the minerality, the terroir, whatever. And they are ready to, again, to, to compete with what's happening around. And that's good. Perfect. Any questions? Go on. <laughs> and Steffi, we also would like to know how Steffi is. <laughs> okay, so the question is how do you think that uh, Theodora 2017 will evolve and will taste in 2027? 27. 27, okay. <sighs> I don't know. <laughs> no, but I think what uh, shows. Uh, what we can see in our wines that they develop really nice because they are also used to oxygen also in the cellar already. And um, yeah, they also can cope without uh, sulf a sulfide added as, as well. And what we realize is like these wines don't, they don't have a peak and then they fall apart. They're like slowly, slowly maybe increasing, but slowly, slowly going down with their positive um, um, side but i think yeah rather drink it now why not you know like i mean this is also <coughs> our idea like we bottle the wines not saying okay you have to put them aside for the next 20 or i don't know 10 20 years it's more about enjoy them but of course they have a long life but we don't know maybe 20 years maybe 30 years we will see you have to do the test at home and buy a case and then yes. taste it in <laughs> 10 years and then you can tell us. <laughs> All right, well, I think this is probably a good time to, to wrap this, this conversation. Thank you so much for bringing the wines. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for bringing the wines, you know, because it's, I know they all came from, from your cellar and it's always a big ask to, to release sort of such old wines and I know they're not in huge quantities. Um, I think it's really clear that, you know, it's a journey, right? And it doesn't happen overnight. Um, and I think it's, you know, the, the, the commitment in, in, in the vineyard and in the, in the, in the winery is huge. Um, like, Stefanetti said it's like every little action, but you have to be exacting, you have to think about ev absolutely everything, and you have to be completely committed. Um, and I think we can clearly see the journey, the results, the evolution. Um, and indeed, you know, we look forward to the next few years and tasting some, some more vintages with you guys. So thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you.